Welcome back to One Step, where we talk about the small steps in the process of finding our truth. We explore life's deepest questions around family, careers, relationships, money, and creativity, while also celebrating the small victories. We're breaking down the wall between who we think we should be and who we really are. This is a reminder to ourselves that change doesn't happen overnight. It happens one step at a time. I'm your host, Ingrid Nilsson, and I've spent the last decade sharing my life and personal growth on the internet. I've talked a lot about growing up and becoming an adult, and now taking care of my inner teen has become an essential part of my wellness practice. Today, I'm talking to Casey Lewis, the creator of one of my favorite Instagram accounts ever, Thank You Atusa. If you follow Thank You Atusa, then I am screaming right there with you. She's also a senior editor at New York Magazine, where she covers teen and Gen Z topics. I wanted to talk to her because teens often get harshly criticized, whether we're judging ourselves for who we were as teens or judging present-day teenagers. I think there's something so beautiful about getting to know this part of ourselves, and I am beyond excited to take this trip down memory lane with Casey. Here we go. Hello, Casey. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, thank you so much. So excited to be here. Okay, we're going to dive right in. And the first step is for transparency. How would you describe your relationship with money growing up? This is a tough question because I think I like naively didn't spend a whole lot of time as a child thinking about money. I'm from a small town and it's not like I, you know, had everything that I could possibly dream of, but I wasn't wanting for much just because, you know, I didn't live in New York City or not to like bring it to teen magazines already, but sort of what I wanted were things that I saw in teen magazines or on TV. But in terms of like school, you know, there wasn't a lot of designer stuff. There wasn't a lot. And so I always had plenty of food on the table and went back to school shopping once a year. And and I think I can bring this back to like, a third grade class when we had a lesson on money and savings. And I got very concerned about debt and like student debt. And I was way too young to be worried about that. But since then, like I've always been hyper concerned about debt. I went to a state school because I was so concerned about taking on like school debt or student debt. And I moved to New York right after I graduated. I went to University of Missouri and I was lucky enough not to have any student loans because I had different scholarships and things in it because it was a state school. But I didn't realize how big of a deal that would be for my life, my young life in New York, because. I was making pennies um, working in media in 2010, so shortly after the last recession. And I was able to do that because I didn't have debt. But that small decision or that decision that I made my senior year ended up having such larger repercussions that I didn't expect. Oh my gosh, third grade? (laughs) They were talking to you about debt in third grade? So it's so weird because I can remember the exact room we were in. It was like the PE life skills stuff that we used to do. And I remember it was a cartoon book or something. I don't know. It's such a weird memory to have, but it's like very vivid in my head. Oh my gosh. I did not know that that was even a possibility in third grade. I remember in third grade, 
I was still learning multiplication, like my times tables with flashcards. <laughs> I had no concept of debt at all at that time. I don't know if it's good or bad, right? Because it did give me some like very early anxiety about money when I like, I didn't need to be worrying about finding myself in debt 10 years before I could even have a credit card, you know? <laughs> but, yeah. But then also at the same time, I think there is a benefit to learning about money, but I don't really know how you would teach kids about it. That's not what my expertise is. Yeah. And, you know, something interesting that I've thought about, like, since now flipping through these old teen magazines that had such a fundamental impact on me as a kid and seeing the prices in, in some of these Teen Vogue things and, you know, these a lot of the girls featured had much fancier lives than me. But I there was a bit of a disconnect in that I didn't want that. Like I didn't ask my parents for a Chanel bag because I just knew I wasn't going to get the Chanel bag. So it, it's interesting because like I wanted the Gap sweater that I saw in 17, but my life was so different from like so many of those people that I saw in fancy magazines that it wasn't like I would have ever even like, I don't have a Chanel bag now. And now it's like, what's the purpose? <laughs> but, but it's interesting to like, look back and think about how some of those things shaped you or, or didn't shape you. Now. Yeah. What would you say your relationship with money is like now? I mean, this is really funny timing given that money is so top of mind and working in media too, where there's all these layoffs. I think that my relationship with money is sort of trying to be as proactive and save as much as possible while also, especially in times like these, I think in the last two or three weeks, my mindset about money has shifted in a way that I now view spending as not guilty, but as a way of helping the local economy. Or like last night, I spent $40 on Girl Scout cookies. And I felt good about that. Like I didn't feel any guilt about that because so many people are hurting. And anytime I order food like on Seamless Now, which is not something I used to do much at all. And and something that I sort of tried to limit quite a bit. Now I'm sort of like, this is help, you know, this is, this is necessary for the local economy. But I think overall, you know, going back before this, I've just always tried to make sure I have enough in savings, whether, you know, just enough to make me feel okay. Um, if I were to lose my job tomorrow, or if, you know, I had a health scare, I don't know how granular you want me to get, but I, had like an interesting time with money two or three years ago is right before I turned 30. And I'd started a company previously that we ended up selling to an LA based company called awesomeness. We just bootstrapped that for the first year. And then we raised a little bit of money, but we were my, my co-founder and I were just pouring all of our savings into this company and we, we weren't making anything. And that felt fine for a while because I had saved up a good amount. And then in the same week, I had a really bizarre health scare where I had to like get all these tests and I had the worst, you know, the catastrophic health insurance. I had to pay like $13,000 out of pocket. So that was one of those things where I, since then I'm like, don't want to take any risks at all. <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting how these experiences deeply inform our relationship to money. And I have also felt the same way about spending locally. Yesterday, I pre-ordered a book that I'm really looking forward to from a local bookstore. And it felt like this is what I want to be doing with my money right now. Like anything that is focused on something around like the local community, it just feels hyper important right now. It's so interesting because it's almost like your mindset shifts from like, 
I need to not spend this to I'm doing this to support an author, to support a bookstore. Like before this, I've never thought about spending money in a way of I'm supporting my favorite sandwich shop or I'm supporting, you know, the small boutique around the corner. And now it feels sort of, I mean, I guess they do say put your money where your mouth is for a reason, but I've never felt that in the way that I, or experienced that in the way that I have since all of this. I know, like before it just felt like, oh, well, I'm just participating in consumerism here, but now I just have even more of an awareness around the small businesses and where I want to be putting my money, which I do think will inform how I walk through and out of this moment too. I think my spending habits will definitely change because of this. I agree. So since today's episode is all about your inner teen or our inner teens, what was Teen Casey like? That is a good question. So I was obsessed with teen magazines. I, you know, I was from a very small town in Missouri, a population 3000. I was very involved. I was a cheerleader. I was in student council, but I was also like a little emo. It sort of like played both sides of it. And I um, had a lot of friends, but like felt really lonely a lot. I loved reading and writing. I think it was like, didn't realize what introverted means, but I was that. Even from a very young age, my biggest dream in life was to move to New York and work in magazines, which is kind of hilarious now because magazines being what they are, that's not really a dream you can have. Although I do, I guess I am employed by a magazine technically. But yeah, I just, I always had this sort of like singular dream and I didn't go to New York. I never visited New York until maybe my senior year of high school. But even like as a young kid, I like wanted to live here. Oh, I love that because I relate to that so much. Like one, the dream of working at a magazine. I feel like that was just the ultimate dream for so many people. And then also that feeling of coming to New York for the first time and just like knowing this is where I'm meant to be. That's such a special experience. And to have it when you're young too is such an incredible memory to remember that feeling in your body when you first came to New York City. Totally. I remember being in Times Square thinking like, this is just so exciting. And that's something I have to remind myself of when I go to Times Square now and I'm like, get me out of here. <laughs> it's like, at one point, this was really great. <laughs> I know. I try to do the same thing too. When I'm walking through Times Square, I always tell myself, you know, when I first was coming to New York City. Times Square was so fascinating to me. Just try and sink into that for a little bit because Times Square is, you know, what so many people think of when they think of New York and New York is so much more, but it is also a part of the city and trying to like ignore it, I feel like is trying to ignore a piece of something that I really love. Like I love New York because it has Times Square, not in spite of Times Square. Yeah. I, it's very special. And I think if you can go there, you know, with friends that are visiting, then you kind of can experience it in a way that if you work there and are like elbowing through crowds every morning, it's really hard. To <laughs> enjoy it. So you came from this love of teen magazines and now you're running this Instagram account called Thank You Atuza. How did this start? 
I've always kept my teen magazines at my parents. Again, they live in the, in the Midwest, so they have storage space. <laughs> and so I've had like hundreds of magazines and not this past holiday, but the holiday before I was home for Christmas and was feeling just really sad about the state of media, which is funny to say because I feel like it hasn't gotten any better. But Rookie had recently closed and we were sort of in the process of transitioning out of my company, which was a newsletter for teenage girls called Clover Letter. The writing was like sort of on the wall that that was not going to last. I think Teen Vogue had recently gone web only, 17 too. And I was just feeling so sad about like, where do teens go now? I mean, of course they have social media and of course there are places for them to express themselves, but there's really not that publication that I grew up with. If they have a question about periods, like where are they going to go? They're not going to post about that on their Instagram. There's no like singular resource in the way that like I had a brother, I learned everything from these teen magazines and going back through them, just thinking about the state of teen media. And I saw something that was just felt really funny. And I think I just posted it on my own Instagram, which, you know, just to my friends. And, and then I started taking more pictures as I was flipping through these magazines, just to my parents. And then I got back after the holidays and I just, you know, you have those just rushes of creativity and you're like, I'm just going to do this. And it felt really weird because when you start an Instagram, I've never done this except for my personal one, which I've had for years, but like, you know, not a brand by any means. And so I started this and I was like, oh my gosh, is this weird? Is this embarrassing? Like, what if it flops? But like, what is a flop? Like, what is a success? And what is a flop when you're starting a creative project? And if you enjoy it, then it's worth it. And I named it Thank You Atusa, literally on a whim and just started posting pictures. And I followed some media people, they followed back and it just kind of snowballed from there. And I want to say like a month after I started it, I had an email in my inbox from Atusa. And I was like, oh my God, this is going to be a seasoned assist because I at that point had never spoken to her before like she was my idol but I had never conversed with her and so my heart sank I was like well this was fun while it lasted now she's telling me to politely just stop and it was actually it was like the sweetest email saying that she was just so flattered and so excited and one of her former editors had sent it to her from there we ended up forming a friendship and getting coffee and now we've text and like if you had told me that as a teenager, I would have a Tusa's phone number. I would be like, you're crazy. And yeah, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> oh my God. Atusa was my idol too. So first of all, when I found this Instagram account, I was like, whatever this is, I need this because the account name is just thank you, Atusa. And I immediately got that reference. So, oh my gosh, just the fact that you have her phone number, like the teen in me is like screaming right now. (laughs) Well, I think she is an icon to a very specific kind of girl, maybe one that was, you know, very put a lot of pressure on herself, but also like it was a comfort to see this person who didn't look like a model with perfect hair, straight hair. And like, she was just sort of like, warts and all this is me in her editor's letters and I just found that to be so revolutionary and I really think that she especially appealed to a a certain kind of girl who was maybe interested in writing wanted to work in magazines wanted to move to New York but didn't you know didn't look to these like classic characters and and feel like they were going to be the next Anna Wintour for example like my hair is curly I'm never going to be Anna Wintour you know but you look at it too and you're like I actually relate to her on a level that I don't other people I felt exactly the same way I felt like even though she 
was an adult, what she decided to share in her letters and in her issues just resonated so much with me. And I think it was like speaking to that introvert, the person who kind of felt like an outsider, that awkwardness that everyone feels as a teenager. So for people who aren't familiar with your Instagram, how would you describe it? And what are some posts that kind of stand out to you? So when I first started, what sort of stood out to me were the articles that maybe didn't age the best. It's crazy how heteronormative and just uh, they tried. I really do think that in some cases they tried, but it was it's like the diet pieces, cutting down on dairy, avoiding sugar, not eating a bagel. Like we would never tell a teenager to not eat a bagel now. I hope if Teen Vogue said that now, they would be torn apart on the internet. But back then it was just sort of like, that's what women's magazines did. And that's what teen magazines did. The articles about like loving boys and like flirting and just sort of the hard eyes about all guys. It would not fly today. There was absolutely no representation whatsoever. And it's just, you really see sort of like one person throughout all of these magazines. I think the things that are the most humorous and fun to share are maybe like celebrity gossip that is sort of hilarious in retrospect. Or a lot of the fashion stuff actually has held up very well because it all comes back. And so, you know, you look at these spreads from 1998 and it looks just like what is being sold at American Eagle right now. So I think the the fashion stuff kind of holds up the most. Another thing that I feel resonates and that I like to share is, um, so Teen Vogue, it makes sense now talking about it, but all of their real girls were like fancy people's kids. But reading, you know, looking through that as a kid, you you don't have the internet to Google them. You don't know that their parents are either like high powered execs or famous. And Teen Vogue often didn't say that. And so it's, that's been the most interesting thing is to go back through and identify like, oh, this wasn't just some random stylish girl. Like her dad is a millionaire. <laughs> that's why she's in there. So that's always fun to like realize, whoa, this is a society. But, you know, I, I'm from Missouri. I didn't realize like what society was. It's pretty fun to see. Oh my gosh. One of my favorite things from Thank You Atuza has been the like, where are they now? The real girl style sections and then finding out like where those girls are now as women. That has been so profoundly just satisfying. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. So I was looking through one of them and I shared this, but um, Gia Tolentino, who had that book, Trick Me, they didn't even include her last name, but she was in like the most stylish girls across America. And it's like her at age 16 in Texas wearing cowboy boots. And I think my jaw like actually dropped because it's just so funny to like think about. And another one that every time I come across something, I'm sort of just like my brain explodes a little bit is Emily Weiss was like a big 17 model. And I never realized that, but like she looks the exact same, but also it's so consistent with Glossier. Like all of the pictures look like they could be Glossier ads. It's just so funny to see. Oh my gosh, my mouth is like hanging open right now. <laughs> yeah, and she never talks about being a teen model. And it's like, of course she was. She's beautiful. It yeah. makes sense. It's just a funny, like, you just don't know. And then you see someone, you're like, wait, that is them. Yeah. Oh my gosh, what an experience to be going through physically these old issues firsthand. I have been thinking about that reflective criticism. And because you're going through all these issues yourself, is it as bad as we remember 
the issues to be like with the diet culture, you know, all of these things that you were mentioning. That's something that I've been wondering because I don't have the issues physically in front of me. And I can remember some of those things that you talked about, but what's it like actually going through them? It's hard to say because I, the representation thing is not something that I can really speak to because I do like guys. You know, I'm a white privileged female from Missouri. So in many ways, those teen magazines probably did not mess me up and have the impact that they could have for the worst. You know, it's impossible for me to look through them and say, like, I don't see myself here because in many ways I do. You know, there's millions of girls who read these teen magazines and didn't. And in hindsight, it's just like, what were we thinking? What were these adults making these decisions thinking? And then the diet stuff, I mean, I definitely, I didn't have an eating disorder, but I definitely like, I think most of us tiptoed with some pretty bad behaviors that we read about in teen magazine. I remember cutting out dairy because I thought it would help me like look better. I didn't need to cut out dairy. I was like 12 years old. Your brain like doesn't forget those things. And I think even now, like, I remember refusing to eat pizza for years and for no reason other than like, I just, you know, it's bad for you and you know, it's bad for you from these teen magazines. And I think it's impossible to really understand how deeply that affects you. But at the same time, like I learned a lot of important lessons. I learned about bands and books and just so many things that I wouldn't have otherwise. Also at the same time, it's like, can we really say that teen magazines are any worse than the entire internet is now for teens? Like teenagers can find eating disorder tumblers and like the content is there if you want to look for it. I just, I think it's really hard to know exactly how it impacted our generation specifically. I know it's something that I just think about so much and I feel a lot of conflict around because in many ways I felt like I definitely wasn't represented in magazines. I felt like a lot of the times I would look at someone and you know they would be blonde and white and I was like that is not me at all. I'm mixed race. Also being queer, but then everything that I'm consuming being so heteronormative. But that's what it was at that time. And I didn't realize then the influence that it was having on me and how it really was like steering me in these directions. And at the same time, there are things that I learned from teen magazines that I have never forgotten that have been some of the best advice that I've ever received. And so there's this happening over here that wasn't so great. And also these amazing things and this information that I couldn't get anywhere else that no one else was talking about. And I was consuming it in a space that felt like safe and private in my bedroom. And this information that I wasn't getting anywhere else was being shared with me. And that felt so incredibly valuable. I think when it came to like the body stuff, like learning about like your period and how just your reproductive system works, like things like that, there was a lot of valuable information around that. Like just learning like what's quote unquote, quote, normal with your period, learned so much just through teen magazines for that. Totally. And like, how else will we have found out that information? We didn't really have the internet in the same way. And if you don't have sisters or you don't have, your friends are going through it at the same time you are. So like, who do you really go to? And I think teen magazines was that for us. 
Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why I love this account that you've created so much because it does represent that conflict that I feel. You know, you are looking at things through this critical lens and you're also celebrating the really amazing moments that came out of teen magazines. And so I feel like this Instagram account is an embodiment of the the feelings and the commentary that I have on the inside, but I don't quite have the words to express it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. You know, one thing I think about a lot and and I don't have any answers here, but did these adult editors realize how much influence they wielded when they were making some of these decisions? And this is not even a very controversial thing, but even like the most embarrassing moments, which are like, ha ha funny sometimes, but they like kind of teach you to be very embarrassed and like constantly worried that you're going to do something embarrassing. And I was that person for a long time, just constantly ready to be humiliated. Why is that? Maybe that's me. Maybe I'm just neurotic, but I do think it's those embarrassing moments. They're not that funny in in hindsight because it's like we're teaching people to be humiliated when the period shows on their jeans. That is a natural thing. Like that's going to happen. I know it's hard and it's hard to like hold that conflict inside, but that's just why I love this Instagram account so much because I feel like it's pulling all of this stuff from the inside out and people get to explore this together. Like these people who are now women who were girls reading these magazines are able to have this group experience around celebrating, but also recognizing the things that were harmful and, you know, maybe steered us in directions that weren't actually who we are now. What do you think it is? Because everyone I know who's around my age follows Thank You Atuza. What do you think it is about diving into this old teen content that is so appealing to adult women? So... I think it's a couple of things. I think the nostalgia of it is just really heartwarming. And to see things that have been like buried deep in our brain and then to see these images again and to remember them so vividly. And I think nostalgia accounts are, you know, a big thing on Instagram. And I think that nostalgia in general is a big thing. And I think it's just, it's comforting. It's obviously funny at some point, you know, like some of the things are just hysterical. Some of them are just terrible, but in entertaining ways. And I think a lot of meme accounts on Instagram can kind of like make you feel bad, or they're just sort of like lowest common denominator funny. And I think that this content sort of makes you stop and think a little bit. And that's not my doing. That's like the magazine's doing. But I do think sort of stirring that up and resurfacing it. And I think also just in the context of like the world we live in now, and I don't mean like the world we live in in the last month or so, but like just the larger world and and seeing like how teenagers have come so far and they've sort of paved the way in many ways to be themselves, that they don't fit in a box. And not that we did that, but the media sort of portrayed us as that. Yeah. I mean, I have looked back on magazines from, you know, the 1950s and 60s and Looking at those magazines, I mean, the stuff in there is just like, this feels so antiquated. Like, what in the world is happening? It feels like you're looking into an alternate universe. And so I think this reflective criticism is so incredibly 
necessary. And it also helps us to see how much progress has been made. I feel like especially in the moments where we feel like, oh, progress hasn't been made, like everything sucks, et cetera, et cetera. I think when you look back on you know, these old issues, you are able to see how different it is in a lot of ways for young people now and even ourselves now, like as adult women, as we grew up as teenagers reading these magazines, I think many of us have broken out of these boxes. I know that I definitely have. And I think it's so cool to see what teenagers are like now, because I feel so much of that inside of me like the inner teen inside of me is just so happy to see so many teenagers being able to express themselves and be more of who they really are so there's all this talk around how teenagers have changed and how publishing has changed and how teens are consuming their content has changed but what's something about teenagers that hasn't changed in your opinion so I think that's maybe one of the most reassuring things of looking back at these magazines is like how little the fundamentals of being a teen have changed. You feel really awkward about everything. You care so deeply about your friends. And at the same time, your biggest fear is your friends turning against you. You both want to you know, wear clothes and fit in, but you also want to express yourself. You're just wrestling with so many different emotions all the time. And those emotions just like have not changed. And I think my favorite pieces in these magazines aren't ones that like are great to share on Instagram because they're so word heavy. But a lot of the personal essays and mental health stuff and essays about the teenage girl experience could be written today. And I think that's just like really nice to see and read and reassuring. And, you know, teens are dealing with TikTok now and they're dealing with Facetune. But is that really any different than us, you know, having photoshopped models in the magazines? And I think there's just so many images that are hitting us over the head everywhere, whether you're a kid in year 2000 or in year 2020. I do think there have been like some larger differences. Like when we were growing up, I think there was one body that was acceptable. And now I do think that we're beginning to see like more bodies. I think Kate Moss was like the ultimate when we were girls. And that's like so bad, <laughs> but no one really wants to look like that anymore. Like it's all about Kim Kardashian, which I don't know if that's better or worse. But I think even though things like that have changed, the actual feelings, the hopes, the dreams have sort of remained the same. Yeah. Uh, except, I, you know, I do think another thing that I noticed looking back at these magazines, I, a lot of people write into them saying like they want to grow up to work in a magazine or they want to grow up to be a writer. It makes me think like, what is the job that teens want now? Because I, it's not to work in a magazine, but I don't have the answer. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know. I definitely agree with you. Like just having more exposure to different kinds of people as a teenager now, I think is so incredibly valuable because looking back on the teen magazines, that is the thing that I feel like I just really didn't get. I didn't have exposure to many mixed race people in the magazine. I think as I started getting older, there were maybe more images in the magazine like occasionally where I'd see maybe someone who I felt like kind of looked like me but it still was very heteronormative and now 
I see so many teenagers being so comfortable with who they are. I know that those teen feelings are still very much there, but I love teenagers. It is forever my favorite group of people. I just love teenagers so much because I think we all still have those like really intense feelings inside of us and how deeply we care about our friendships like those things don't go away they just live in a special part of us and I feel like I learned so many valuable lessons from Seventeen magazine the one that sticks out to me the most is the vagina 101 issue what's a significant lesson for you from Seventeen? my mind always goes back to toxic shock syndrome and how I would be afraid to wear a tampon for more than an hour. But like when you're in school, you kind of have to. And I just remember being constantly afraid that I was going to get toxic shock syndrome, even though it's incredibly rare, I believe. And I was also always afraid that I was going to get pregnant, even though I wasn't having sex. (laughs) Like (laughs) it's just going to (laughs) happen. Oh my gosh. I know. Reading a box of tampons would just instill the fear inside of me. It was so terrifying because they don't really communicate that it's extremely rare. They don't really communicate what it entails. So you're just like, well, I'm going to be the one. This is definitely going to be me. And you're just so afraid and you haven't even inserted it yet. Yeah. And you know what's weird is Seventeen did annual toxic shock syndrome articles. I kind of like went conspiracy theorist on it. Like, why? Like, why do they keep revisiting this topic that like didn't, I I don't know. But it's just these things that I guess they just seemed reliable and they probably got people a little fear mongery. I mean, I guess it's sort of like the year 2000 equivalent of clickbait, right? But um, it's been really weird to look back and see like they covered it again. Nothing's changed about it. It's not like there's just like a sudden uptick in TSS. I know. It's just like, well, I guess we're recycling this information again. What do you appreciate now about teen magazines that you didn't appreciate as a teenager? You know what? Looking back at them, I'm impressed by the quality of writing. And I really think the way that content works now is just so freaking different. (laughs) But to look at these old issues and especially Teen Vogue, the old writing is just, it's really beautiful and clever and thoughtful and obviously very well edited. And I worked at Teen Vogue probably like six years ago now, but the level of care that went into those print issues and the level of editors that touched each article you know, the copy editors, you just don't really experience that kind of writing now, certainly not for teens. And the last remaining magazines, you know, I'm sure still have that level of care. But for the teen audience, looking back at it, I'm like, this is really wonderfully written and great. And like writing that I can appreciate now. Oh, I love hearing that. It feels like a bright spot in all of the the murky stuff. Yeah. And this wasn't something I thought about as a kid, but I have to think that like reading those articles back then, and I love to read every word and I tried to memorize every caption. And I think it must have helped my own writing skills and my own vocabulary. And I mean, I think that's truly what inspired me to go to journalism, you know, to, to have the career path that I did because of a love of words from these teen magazines. Totally. I remember when I would just be writing on my own as a teenager, I would definitely be kind of taking on the voice of a teen magazine when I wrote things because that is what I was consuming. But when you are, you know, first starting out writing, 
you have to be emulating what you're taking in. That's how you learn what your style is. And so in that way, I feel so deeply connected to these magazines because they helped me find what would eventually become my voice in writing. And it was really great writing. So I'm glad that I had that as a baseline to start with. It's so true. So you're a senior editor at New York Mag right now, and you cover Gen Z topics and teens. What has surprised you about teens today? So kind of throughout my career, even though I've become further and further from teen age, so I worked at Teen Vogue after college, and then I worked at MTV went back to Teen Vogue and then I started Clover and then that was acquired by Awesomeness, a teen company. And then they were acquired by Viacom, largely a teen company. And then now being at New York Magazine where I like sort of focus on teens, I've sort of always had this like crew of teen contacts and teen friends, which like sounds kind of lame and like borderline creepy to say. But you know, I have this email list of teens that I'm like constantly emailing about everything from like, I did a story last week about now that we're working from home, but there like school from home and so about what their school from home outfits are which was like really fun and like very heartwarming to hear what they're wearing and and how and also how they're feeling how they're adjusting to this new normal and the thing about teens today for me and of course I'm not a teen and I'm not an expert but I think there's this idea that teens are so attached to their phones they only care about TikTok or two years ago was they only care about Snapchat or you know and I think that they're just so much more thoughtful and smart, obviously, than many people give them credit for. And I do think that Gen Z has sort of gotten a reputation as activists. And I think that's, you know, that's totally true and and deserved. But I think that they just care so deeply about the future of everything. And I think that we're in good hands as like we move forward. But I do think that this time is going to be really hard on them. It's a hard on everyone. But I just keep thinking about they've had their proms canceled. They've had their graduations pushed back. Seniors in high school will never get to have senior week. It'll be interesting to see how they sort of deal with that. And I think that a lot of really good art will come out of this time from teens. And I think they're very promising, but I don't know how surprising that is (laughs) to answer your question. I mean, I think it's interesting that, you know, you point to those things because I feel like many of us, if we're not around teenagers, we're not thinking about the things that they are missing in this current moment that we're in and the things that they're grieving. But I think about those things like prom and senior week and these milestones that you hit as a teenager with your teen friends, your community, and not having those things anymore must feel like such a deep loss. And I think there will be creativity that comes out of this. But I know like my teen self would have been so crushed and devastated to not have those moments that you're so looking forward to sharing with your friends. Yeah. And I was talking to some girls in college and it's like, they have to move home. Like they have their college semester cut short. And if you're a senior in college, that's especially heartbreaking. But if you're a freshman in college, and I know there are so many worse, like people that are just being absolutely hurt by this in larger ways than missing a prom. And I think teenagers know that too, but you kind of like have to let everyone grieve for what they're dealing with and what they're missing out on and how this is affecting everyone. Yeah, and it's such a huge moment of this collective grief, and everyone's grief is so different 
from person to person and from family to family and community to community. So I'm really interested to see how this is going to inform the way that not only we as adults move forward, but also the teenagers who are coming of age right now, how this informs the way that they move forward as adults. I'm really interested to see that. And I feel like they're going to weave it into something really beautiful. Me too. And that's a really happy thing to focus on and think about. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it is. Why do you think it's valuable to be in touch with your teen self as an adult? Well, I think about your Instagram bio a lot. (laughs) And I've always sort of felt that way. And I remember after graduation, Teen Vogue was my favorite magazine growing up and the only magazine I wanted to work at after college. And then I worked there for a while. And I remember having, you know, family friends or old guys, you know, say, when are you going to graduate to Big Vogue? Isn't that what's next? And it wasn't about that for me. I didn't want to work at Big Vogue. Like, that's not me. I wanted the teen audience. And I just, I've always felt, I think because, I don't know, I thought about this a lot and I I don't know the answer of like, why do I still think about my teen years so much? And why do I care so deeply about teenagers? And I think maybe when I was a teenager, I didn't feel the sort of like creative support to explore different things. And that wasn't my parents' fault. They, you know, they're not writers. It was just, that wasn't there. I was constantly searching myself, but didn't have anybody that I was following, anybody to guide me. So I've always wanted to do that for teens in any way possible, whether that's actually having an actual relationship with them, or whether that's through writing, or I think that to be an adult and be a cheerleader for a teenager, I think is just, some of them don't need you, but some of them do. And I think that's, really important. And in terms of staying in touch with my own teen self, I do think it keeps you young. (laughs) And I do think it keeps you in many ways, not jaded and optimistic about things that you maybe wouldn't otherwise. Yeah. And I think it also keeps you in touch with your emotions too, because I've realized, especially in this moment, oh, why am I more resistant as an adult to let my feelings out and really express them when as a teenager, it was just like everything was on my sleeve. If I was angry, you knew it. If I was sad, you knew it. If I was annoyed, you knew it. If I was happy, you knew it. But as an adult, we are just conditioned to kind of rein all of that in. And as I've been navigating this moment, I feel like I've leaned on my teen self so much for like whimsy, for emotional expression and just getting in touch with that part of myself that is so alive and so important to pay attention to. And I think another part is that sort of unrelenting curiosity that you feel about just anything. And I think it's so important to like, as an adult, still follow any sort of like rabbit hole you can go down that is a weird interest or like, just even if it's a passing interest, I think it's so important to sort of chase that curiosity. Yeah, I totally agree. And if there's anybody who's in touch with that, it's your teen self for sure. What do you think are some ways for people to get in touch with their teen self if they're not really sure where to start? That's a really good question. I think journaling, though I am not great at that myself, because I think my theory on journaling is that it's great if you can keep up with it. I'm such a perfectionist in that I like would think that my journaling wasn't good enough, which that's not the, I need to revisit that during this time, I think. Um, But I do think that's a really good way to sort of tap into your emotions. And I think also what always does it for me is listening to the music that I loved when I was a teenager. And last week I was listening to Taking Back Sunday, 
which oh my god <laughs> and the reason is because Sam Hunt do you know who that is he's a country singer oh yeah 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 he said that his new album is influenced by taking back Sunday and I thought oh my god I haven't listened to them since I was 15 years old so I went for a run and I listened to taking back Sunday and I swear I felt like I was 15 years old again and I I think like the power of music is so huge I also think reading books that were very important to me when I was young always helped like the bell jar I loved the bell jar but reading that now it's just I feel like I'm at home in my bed like reading under the covers Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy you mentioned music because I did the same thing and I made a playlist called My Moody Teen Heart and I just listed out all of the music that I had listened to as a teenager. It was so cool to dive back into these bands. Taking Back Sunday was there. Taking Back Sunday was the first band I ever saw live and I snuck out to see them. Oh my God. That's a big deal for my teen self. Awesome. That's very, Something Corporate (laughs) was my first concert. Oh my god, just hearing these names just fill me with so many emotions. But it's so exciting to go down that path and revisit this music and like put yourself back in that place, but then also connect it to where you are now. And I did the same thing. I went for a run. And by the time I was on song number two, I was like, I'm tearing up. (laughs) This is what I needed. Yeah. But it's so cool because it feels like your past self is there for your present self and your present self is showing up for your past self. So it's like this connection of these often disconnected parts of yourself. So true. Okay. So We love ending with celebrating small victories here on the podcast. So what is a small victory from your last week? That's really hard. Um, Gosh, I mean, I think my small daily victories are going on walks with my dog and sort of momentarily zoning out of the reality and just not feeling anxious and just focusing on like how happy my dog is that I am home all day right now. And I think every day I just feel like, I don't know if that's a big or small thing, but I just feel so much gratitude for this pet. But I think it's every single day when I go outside with him, I'm like, okay, the world will return to, you know, the way that, if not that it was a semblance of that soon. And it just makes me feel like a little bit more normal. Our dogs are just all angels sent from the heavens, truly. Especially now. I'm just like, thank God I got a dog. Thank God. I know. I know. I just look at my dog and I'm like, this morning, I was like, thank God for you, you fluffy little angel. Well, thank you so much for being here, Casey. Where can everyone find you on the internet? Thank you, Atusa, on Instagram. And actually, I kind of forgot to even mention this, but I just started a weekly newsletter that's an interview series with teens. Oh, so cool. It's a Substack. I'll put a link in Thank You Atusa. So if people want to subscribe to it from that, it's called After School. And so the first one is with a girl who is a Stanford student who suddenly life is like very weird, a Stanford student and also a model. (laughs) Um, But she's a very cool teen. And so I'm just going to be doing a weekly interview series. Oh, what a cool project. I'm so excited to check it out. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care, guys. Yeah, you too. Casey, thank you again for helping us tap into our inner teen selves. This was just the best conversation and totally what I needed right now. 
If you want to be reunited with teen magazine gems from the past, definitely check out Thank You Atuza. I promise you will not regret it. And of course, thank you so much to everyone who is out there listening. On the next episode, Christina and I are going to be reflecting on this conversation that we had today. This week, I would love to know what was your favorite band, TV show, or movie as a teenager? please let us know by sending me a voice note. You can do this by using the voice memo app or the voice record app, and then just email it to onesteppodcast at gmail.com. And we'll share your responses in the next episode. Also make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can find One Step on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at One Step Podcast to stay up to date. Thank you so much to our producer, Christina Cleveland, our sound engineer and editor, Tung Chen, and of course, my studio, my closet in New York City. Take care, and we'll talk soon.